All right. Well, Father, we just, as we come to your word, I thank you for, I just thank you for those, just even right now, like uh, that, that just raised their hands, like Katie saying, yeah, that's me. I thank you for that kind of attitude that when there's, when the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus, you said to change the way we think. You said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, so I thank you for your kingdom that is present in the gathering of the saints. And uh, your kingdom includes rele- releasing strength for our bodies and healing for our hearts. And so, Lord, we, we don't just see your kingdom blessing as far off down the road. We see it available right now. So we receive by faith the grace gift of uh, your healing or working of miracles right now. And I ask that the faith, that faith would come to us in these next moments by hearing and hearing by your word. We thank you for your word. And with humility, we come and we approach it so that it can be engrafted in us, Scripture says, to the, to the making whole of our souls, to the saving of our souls. Speak to us, not just mentally, but speak to our hearts now. And let us do what you call us to do in response. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to look at an amazing woman in the New Testament uh, today. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't give her name. It doesn't say whether she was married or not. She's just referred to as the Canaanite woman out of Matthew chapter 15. And uh, we've been really on a, a theme throughout the spring here at River in the Hills. Pastor Nate and I have both been sharing messages uh, on uh, taking action steps to defeat unbelief in our lives, on how to... You know, overarching word for River in the Hills this year in 2019 has been alignment. And we are in the process of of asking the Lord to help align us with biblical faith, to align our faith with his faith. And that's what this story and this encounter of this woman, the Canaanite woman with Jesus reveals is is areas where we can align our faith more effectively with biblical faith. If I was going to put a tagline on this story uh, of this woman in Matthew 15, I think it would be that God has set no limits to faith which works by love. God has set no limits to faith which works by love. Even when we feel like we're the only one in our family that's contending in faith for a certain thing, or we're the only one in our, in our group of friends or our circle of influence that's going for God in, in a certain area, even when we feel like, like we're the only one and we're, all, we're tempted to throw up our hands and think God won't move, God has set no limits to faith that works by love. So I'm hoping today that as we look at this, the Lord's gonna kind of, obliterate certain self-imposed ceilings to our thinking so that we can, Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able. We can believe he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. 
but we need to look in the Word and look at this. So let's look at this. This is how the Canaanite woman's faith prevailed for the needs of her family. We've got the, the verses there. It's talking about Jesus, verse 21. <clears throat> it says, leaving that place. Now, that place where he was was somewhere in the area of the Sea of Galilee, the Tiberias area, if you're looking at a city in Israel. Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is on the seacoast in the northwest corner of Israel, about a four-day walk. He withdrew to this region, and when he got to this region, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. I just want to stop right there and say how fitting that the Lord's moved on Kyle to share about the love of a, of a father, a parent for a child. This is how she was. Jesus, verse 23, did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him and, and, and said, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Paragraph A there, where this translation, this is the NIV, where it says, "Your woman, your request is granted, that doesn't really do complete justice to what Jesus was saying. He was actually saying, woman, whatever you wish is yours. How would you like Jesus to say that to you? Whatever you wish is yours. I mean, this wasn't, you know, those stories we hear about a genie comes out of a bottle and says, whatever you wish, I will grant your wish. No, this is Jesus Christ. This is the Jesus that if you've given your life to him, you are now in covenant with him. This is his heart saying to this woman, whatever you wish is yours. I don't know about you, but I want, I want times where the Lord says that to me. Mm. Where was her husband? It doesn't say. We don't know. Maybe she didn't have a husband. What did she have? The Canaanite woman had the kind of faith that just would not give up and would not take no for an answer. Now, if you're like me, it's kind of, I felt even uncomfortable reading it a little bit. If you're like me, you're kind of wondering, wow, Jesus, that was pretty harsh. I mean, you know, she comes to you, she brings this case before you, she falls before you at your feet, and, and you, you seem, Jesus seemed to be harsh and ungracious. How many of you agree with me on that? Have you ever wondered what was going on there? Well, I have, so I've been studying it out. And uh, I tell you, if, if you just read it that way, if this was done in 2019, you know, the media would have had a field day with this. Is our, is our videos, are they working? Okay, okay. Yeah, so, so 
if the media, if someone had captured Jesus with this uh, Canaanite woman on an iPhone and they recorded him saying that to her, you know, this is what a headline might read in the, in the Jerusalem Times. Christ insults Canaanite. They would have replayed that looped footage on cable news all, all the time. Thank you so much. I, that's, that helps because we need to get an explanation of this. And here's, uh, here's the explanation that I, that I see as I've studied this out. You see, and it's there a, a little bit of it in paragraph B under Roman numeral one. You see, Israel was separated at that time from all other nations because of the covenant commitment that God made to Israel in starting in the days of Moses. God had made covenant with the Jewish people. And this Canaanite woman wasn't Jewish. And so he makes this covenant, and in fulfillment of his covenant promises to Israel, the Lord did two things for them. First, he sent them their promised Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he sent Jesus to the Jewish people first before all other nations. You all, you all heard that verse in Romans? It says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel of the kingdom for it's the, uh, the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. See, he sent the Messiah to the Jewish people first. Now, Jesus is the Messiah for the whole world. But in that time frame of Matthew 15, he had, was walking the earth fulfilling God's covenant promise with the Jewish people. And so God promised to send them their Messiah. Most didn't recognize he was the Messiah. But second, God promised to heal them. Like he said in Exodus 15, 26, when they were going into the wilderness, he said, "I." the Hebrew word is ani adonai rofeka. I am the Lord who healeth thee. And so when Jesus walked the earth, he never turned away any Jewish person who came to him for healing. He healed every Jewish person who came to him in fulfillment of that covenant that I'm the Lord who heals you. Because he was trying to get the Jewish people's attention. I'm your Messiah. So follow me here. God did not have any such covenant with the other nations. So they had no claim on God like the Jewish people did. Because it was the covenant of God that he gave to Israel, that gave the Jewish people the right to approach God like that. So because other nations didn't have a covenant relationship with God, they were considered unclean, not holy, not belonging. They were outside the covenant. And here's where we get to this passage. The type or the symbol for an unclean or someone outside the covenant, the type or symbol of the animal that was considered not belonging was a dog. So instead of Jesus explaining to her when she comes and say, hey, she says, help me with my daughter. Instead of Jesus saying, you know, you're just not a member of the Jewish people that God promised through Moses to give a covenant of healing, blah, blah, blah. He just, they all knew that people 
that were not in covenant with God, that weren't Jewish, they all knew they were called dogs just because that's how they talked back then. So what Jesus was actually saying was when he said, that's why when he said healing is the children's bread, it belongs to the Israelites because of my father's covenant with them. I'm obligated, he's telling this woman, I'm obligated to fulfill the covenant. But other nations are dogs. And you don't take the bread of the children and give it to dogs. So what he was saying was very clear at that time. It was right in line with God's principles. It was right in line with covenant principles. Paragraph C, though. However... Though this Canaanite woman knew she was outside the covenant, I would have to say her answer to Jesus was just brilliant. Probably the best answer anybody ever gave Jesus. Look at at what she says there. She says, Lord, I agree. Basically, she's saying, Lord, I agree with everything you said. I'm just a dog. I'm outside the covenant. I, I understand that. I'm unclean. I'm not in the covenant. But I have this problem, Lord, and you're the only one who can solve it. After all, Lord, I don't need a whole slice of bread. I don't need a whole loaf of bread. I just need a crumb. And even, you know, when crumbs fall off the master's table, even the dogs get them. So she takes that term of being outside the covenant and says, hey, even dogs get crumbs. And after all, Jesus, I only need a crumb. No wonder Jesus said to her, woman, great is your faith. Have it the way you want. Isn't that a beautiful story? It wasn't a personal insult. It was a covenant understanding that she had. In the time that I've got left, I want a couple more things on that. When you think back and look at that now, God, when I said at the beginning the tagline, God has set no limits to our faith when it works by love. She looked at those limits, thought, oh, I'm outside the covenant. But she still believed enough to call out to the Lord. So, you know, no matter what challenge you are facing right now, no matter what, maybe you feel overwhelmed in a situation. And maybe you're the only one, as I said earlier, the only one who feels like you're, you're contending for that need around you. Know that you can call out to God and you can respond to him and ask him to give you that faith and ask him to help you keep calling out to him. This, is a woman, this, this Canaanite woman provokes me. She really challenges my faith. So in the time left, I want to just look briefly at three parts of her faith, three elements to this woman's faith that cause Jesus to say, great is your faith. Have it your way. You know, as I said, how many of you want Jesus to say that about you, right? How great is your faith. Have it, have it the way you want. Well, these are three, I guess, three action steps that she took. First one is desperation. This was an attitude she had. It was an action step of being desperate, Desperation, you know, desperate people will do things that other people won't. 
not to take away from the seriousness of this situation, but I was thinking about that this week. Okay, she was desperate. What do people do today when they're, when they're really desperate for something? You know, they'll, so I, I thought about the picture came in my head about um, after the day after Thanksgiving, how parents will be desperate to get some sale at the Black Friday sales. <laughs> that was a literal video of a stampede at a Walmart the day after Thanksgiving because they were rushing in there to get the $20 flat screen TV that they had 10 of. You know, they, they will, uh, and a few years ago, there were reports of parents fighting over a, a Tickle Me Elmo doll. They were, there were so few of them. They were, they were desperate to give that to their child. I got it. And so they would fight in the, in the store. Or the Cabbage Patch Kid. They would fight out in 1983. Okay. <laughs> I remember when Grace and Kyle were in Arkansas, the, those, those before the, around the time the iPod came out, there were like cheaper ones, MP3 players, and it was the day after Thanksgiving, and I wanted to get them. They were really on, spe- they were on special at this Walmart. So I get there, and I stand in line. The line was outside the Walmart down the street, and they'd learned you don't want people to stampede, so they gave out little uh, numbers. So I got my number, I waited in line, I don't know, an hour plus, and about five people in front of me, by the time I got to them in the back of the store, they'd run out. So I spent all that time, and I don't know if I ever got, got them for you or not, maybe I got little receipts for a rain check, but people will do desperate things for situations, especially for, for, for their children. Well, how much more? Was this woman desperate for her daughter? You know, I can't even picture what she was seeing when she saw her girl. It, it describes, she says, Jesus, she's, she's got a demon. She's got demons. So whatever it was she saw must have been absolutely horrible. So she was desperate. That's what caused her. To say, I know I'm outside the covenant, but I'm coming to you, Lord. And so she called out to him. You know, there's a kind of a divine desperation that I want to encourage all of us to ask God to give us. Sometimes we're just, you know, when there's a situation and we feel kind of helpless about it, we either, we either click into just being complacent. Oh, well, just doesn't, I don't think it's going to happen. Or we click into sovereignty like, well, God, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. Or we can choose to cry out to God and get desperate. Okay, there's a kind of a divine desperation that's really important for us to have. Now, now there may be an area right now you're facing and you're like, you know, I'm just kind of, huh. Well, ask the Lord to help you, give you the gift of desperation. Lord, help me to be this way, to go for this. I've had times where I was sick in my body. Doctors couldn't really help. I drove to a healing conference in Dallas, in Fort Worth, a healing school to get prayed for. I was desperate. I've driven 14 hours straight to places to get, to get the Lord, to, to ask the Lord for wisdom and direction. 
in my car. I've, I, I went to a farm. Our, uh, Suzanne's parents had a farm in Briggs. I was desperate to hear God for what, was, what the Lord wanted for me. So I went out to this farm in 100-degree weather in Briggs with no air conditioning and stayed there and fasted for three days and dodged scorpions on the floor of the... But I was desperate. And I'm not saying we always have to be that way, but, but if there's something that you're looking at and it's not changing, maybe you need to ask God to help you get desperate. Because that woman was desperate. Number second one, humility. Oh, kind of wrapping up here. She was humble. Jesus said, you're just a dog. But she didn't get offended. If you think that's insulting, you know, today, uh, think about in the Middle East, the way they treat dogs, the way they look at dogs is much worse. Really insulting in the Middle East. It's far more insulting. In America, you know, we have dogs, we have stores dedicated to dogs, <laughs> right? We've got, we've got doggy, doggy sweaters. We've got doggy breath mints. You know, we, there's a lot of things we do for dogs. I mean, this, this is 100 yards from where I'm standing. It's right over there. And it's nutritious, organic, fresh, local, delivered, food for your dog. <laughs> I have on my key ring a laser imprint of my dog's paw with his name and his birthday and his day he went on. Okay? So we don't look at dogs nearly with that disdain as in the Middle East. So when you were outside the covenant, you know, but she didn't get offended at that. She could have. She could have said, well, I'm just as good as anybody else. But she didn't. She said, Lord, it's true. I'm outside the covenant, but I'm just wanting a crumb. That's humility. And you know what I've noticed throughout the New Testament? Great faith is usually united with great humility. You trace it throughout Scripture. The ones with great faith also had great humility. Third, insight. This woman had insight. She had desperation, humility. Those are action steps. Humble yourself. Then the third is she had insight into the nature of Jesus. Outwardly, when you read the text, Jesus looked distant and stoic and disinterested. He didn't respond to her at first. But I believe she had a divine, kind of a divine intuition that looked through the disguise of his apparent disinterest. That looked through the disguise of his apparent indifference to her. And she thought, no, I think he's more merciful. And so if I was to act it out, it's like, picture the woman behind me, if I'm Jesus, all right, I know. But she's crying out to him, and it says he didn't answer her a word. She's calling out to him, and he, he's thinking the covenant thing. But deep inside, she's behind him, and he's, he's here like this. All she sees is his back. But if you could see his face, he's like, oh, I love it that she's crying out to me. Oh, yes. 
She knows my heart. She knows I'm soon going to go to the cross and I'm going to open up and nobody's going to be a dog. Everybody can come into the covenant and enjoy the new and better covenant. But oh, she's, she's, so, she's believing. She, she knows my heart. And I believe that pleases God's heart. When he sees, it pleases God's heart when we penetrate the disguise of his apparent indifference to our situation. And so you're in a situation, maybe you're praying for a long time, you're like, God, I don't even think you're hearing me. Okay, but I'm still going to go to the prayer room. I'm still going to take my slot. I'm still going to come before you. And even though you don't hear a thing, there's a book out called When God is on Mute. I don't hear a thing. I don't hear a thing. Know this today. He's saying, oh, keep coming. Keep coming. Let's stand up if you would to your feet. Rachel, if you, worship team, if you could come. I want to share a couple of thoughts with this. It's very interesting to me. I want to I point this out because it touches me deeply, that that woman was lived in that region four days walk. Jesus walked four days, maybe 60 miles, 40, 60 miles. He left Tiberias, Sea of Galilee, and walked for four days to this region the Bible only records that Jesus ministered to this one woman. There's no other recording of him doing anything else, ministering to anybody else. And Jesus then finished ministering to her, set her daughter free, and he walked back for four days back to Palestine, back through Palestine back to Tiberias. Why? Because it was the tug of a Desperate soul, a desperate soul calling out to God, tugged the heart of the father, and he sent his son all the way just to minister to her. And so you may find yourself sometime going, what am I doing here? That, that bus thing broke down or that thing, and then you find somebody right there you're there to minister to. You know what it was? Many times they were calling out to God and God chose to send you to go minister to them. There's a lady named Kim Hotchkiss who we, we help. If you can show her picture. She, was, she leads a, um, she's, she's not married. She's not, I don't think she's ever been married. She's in uh, Trujillo, Honduras. She does a training school. Details are about it are about it are in your notes. But in 2015, Frank and Norma Parrott, I guess they're watching the kids right now. In 2015, they were on a vacation in Costa Rica, Frank and Norma with their family. The power goes out in their little hotel, and they're all forced to this one room where candlelight is. And in the candlelight, Frank sees Kim, doesn't know her, and asks her where she's from. She says, oh, you wouldn't know her where it is. It's somewhere in Central America. He goes, no, where, where were you? Where? She said, oh, 
Well, it's, it's Honduras, but it's a little, little town in Honduras you wouldn't know. He said, what town? She said, Trujillo. Frank said, I was at Trujillo on a mission trip a few years earlier. The, the connection was made. She was at a crossroads in her life whether or not to take on this ministry. That night, she'd been to a conference, and she was, uncon- she was saying, God, what do I do? Frank and her and Norma prayed, and after that prayer time, she had confidence to accept the position. And now River in the Hills is connected with her ministry. Frank and Norma have been blessing her ministry, and it's amazing what the ministry is. I believe that's an example of how God heard her prayers and tugged on his heart to, to bring Frank and Norma. To call, I believe he caused the power to go out <laughs> so that they could meet. Because now sewing machines are being given to teenage girls to go back to their villages and sew clothing in, in villages where there's no power and no running water. And I think that's an amazing, amazing thing to build our, to build our faith. Would you go ahead and let's just take a moment worship team I felt the Lord um, tugging on my heart when, when Kyle was sharing about little Lane and I uh, I just want to open this altar up for for if you have an area where you want to tug on the heart of God to move. I want you to come and stand before this altar. If you come forward, say, I want to move God's heart. I've been feeling limited, and God has set no limits to faith, which works by love. So sometimes faith is an action step where you take a step and Say, I'm going to come to this altar as a way of calling out. If that woman in Matthew 15 was outside the covenant, how much more right do you have to call out to God based on the covenant that you now enjoy? Let's ask for divine desperation today. If there's an area you've been complacent about, you're up here right now, and you're, you're in a sense taking a step against that, that um, complacency, maybe just that whatever, case sarah, sarah, whatever it will be, and, and you're saying, no, today I want to change. I want to do something about it. I want to I be desperate. Make me desperate to hold out for all that you have in that situation. I want to invite you to come forward. Say, I don't want just 70% of the answer. I want all that you have. And I know I haven't been desperate. 
If that woman was healed by one touch of the garment of Jesus, how much more is there waiting for us when we reach out? I, I'm, I'm inviting you. Yeah, he's coming forward right now. You're reach, reaching out and saying, Lord, I'm desperate for you. I'm tired of just watching it happen. That's right. Keep keep coming if you feel led to. Keep, keep coming. Say, I am tired of just watching it happen. I humble myself. For some of you, it's like, oh, I don't want to go up there. I, you know, or just fight through that, some of that, oh, I don't want to act like I'm deaf. You know, being desperate pleases the heart of Jesus. And it tugs on his heart. The Lord, let, let's all ask right now for the Lord to humble us. Jesus, the Bible says humble yourself, but we need grace. We need help to not get offended, offended with God or somebody else right now. Just humble yourself and let that thing go. Some of you may feel that, like that woman where you, where God's been on mute and you, you don't even feel like he's, he's even noticing your prayers. I want to pray for us. Let's pray together for the Lord to lift up the light of his countenance upon us, for us to see, to gain insight into his true nature about that situation. Would you join me in that? Psalm 4 says, David says, Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon me. Thank you, Lord. Just open your hands to the Lord right now. Let's let's pray. I, I want to pray that over us. Lord, I, I want insight into your nature. Lord, even when it feels, I feel like there's too many barriers. Lord, help me to see you really want me to keep contending for that, for that prodigal, for the, for the children, for the healing, for the provision. Lord, all I need is a crumb. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. All, all I need is one cow <laughs> to meet my need. You oversee all the fish in the ocean. All I need is one fish with some coins in it to meet my obligation. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. So Lord, as we're standing Mother's Day. Lord, we help us to be aware even right now of your your delight in our reach. Thank you. And Lord, may it be said over us whatever you wish. Because I know you're asking me according to my word, according to my promises. Whatever you wish, 
is in that it's in the covenant that I've made with you is yours. So let's receive it right now. Just right now by faith, receive that which you're asking for, that that relationship to be mended, that provision to come, that healing to come, that ministry to go forth. Wow. Okay, there's some I, I want some here to stay and and get prayer for ministry that you feel like you've been called to, but it's been stuck. And come and, and after we're dismissed to pray. But let's just take some time now, Rachel. If you, you will just take about a, a minute or so together, if, if, if you can stay one more, uh, another minute, and then um, officially be dismissed. But in this room right now, let's reach out, let's contend.